Industry Insider is only available at Promo Corner, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Each Monday, they discuss, dissect, and debate a single issue impacting the world of promotional marketing from every industry perspective. Now, it's time for Promo Corner's Industry Insider. Welcome to another edition of the Industry Insider, your promotional products podcast where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, National Accounts Manager with Hidware USA. Joined today by three other awesome folks, uh, but you know, I just want to tell you guys a little bit about Tervis, Tervis promos. All right, listen, uh, we're brought to you today by Tervis. Why don't we? Why don't we just touch on sustainability a little bit? All right, uh, hashtag take your Tervis. All right, is the only way to uh, the only way that they use social media to promote sustainability. Uh, they've partnered. Uh, they developed a partnership with Four Ocean, and uh, basically it's a, a beach cleanup or they did a beach cleanup on Siesta key. And according to four ocean participants, they were able to collect the following stuff. Listen to this guys. This is crazy. How much stuff they were able to, to pick up 144 straws on this beach pickup, 5,877 cigarettes. That's disgusting. Yeah. 463 plastic bottles, 187 plastic cutlery, 355 plastic bags, 234 uh, plastic foam cups, and uh, over 1,300 bottle caps. Listen, they're passionate about the oceans and they care about the creatures who call it home. Uh, they're you know, committed to making it a better place and they have been for 72 years. And it's not because it's trendy or it helps sell tumblers, but it's because it's the right thing to do. So I would highly encourage you guys to go check them out at servicepromos.com, especially if you're interested in, in you know, uh, promo companies that fight for a cause. I think it's a, a great place to, uh, mm -hmm. to start and check out. So go check them out, servicepromos.com. And uh, so why don't, we, uh, why don't we say hello to Meg Erber today with SNS Activewear. You've got some big news to launch with us today, right? <laughs> of course. First thing. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Um, How are you doing? You have some big news. I mean, you know, it was, it was in the news, I guess. So we'll talk, we'll talk about it in a second. Just okay. how, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, slept on the news, had to sleep on the news, but yeah, I'm doing good. And it's just so cold out. I feel like I just can't get warm, but other than that. Yeah. Did you have a dusting of snow this morning? No. Okay. Well, you Even look out there's like signs. Like a big <laughs> you look out the window right now. Like it's, it's not going to be there right now. I'm saying this morning when you woke up, did you look outside? Did you have a dusting? Yeah. No, I don't remember this morning. I mean, I, it wasn't, I didn't see it. So it wasn't anything out of this ordinary, out of the ordinary. <laughs> Fair enough. So the, the slight dusting that we had this morning is of no concern to Meg Erber. Stephen McFadden <laughs> with perfect promotions and more. How are you doing today? Hey, doing well. <laughs> All right. When you don't no, drive we, anywhere, it's like we, uh, we, had, we had no dusting of snow here um, either. Yeah, in, sunny, in sunny Apex, North Carolina. Why? That's right. You? Yeah, we've been heavy into our new office Reno stuff. So I, I actually found out about the news you guys were talking about and alluded to, um, like just ten minutes ago because I haven't even checked <laughs> like any right. of the news or emails or anything. So. Yes, that's well, listen. We're also joined today by a very special guest by the name of Dale Denham. Not that he needs any introduction, but we're going to allow him to introduce himself anyways. Dale, how are you doing today? First of all, Dale Denham with Geiger and uh, the tech guru of the promotional products industry, I believe, as many would call him. So, Dale, how are you doing today? I am good. There was definitely no snow outside my house. Um, I live in Tampa, Florida, so it was chilly, though. We've had a couple frost warnings this week. It's pretty rough. But how can I not be good? We've got the AFC 
leader of all time, the GOAT, taking us to the NFC Championships this weekend, taking us all the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a good day. It's a good week. <laughs> I know that's just yeah, that's my can't respond. by that news. I don't, I don't know that that's, that that's going to happen, you know? Listen, even if it doesn't happen, it's been a much more exciting year for those of us who've been Buck yeah. fan for our entire life or nearly our entire life. It's been a long drought, so I'm very happy. And um, I did just recently get the Brady jersey because, you know, I didn't know if he was going to fall apart being 43 years old. So, you know what? Nothing would make me happier than seeing Tom Brady lose in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, he's got to get there to lose it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm OK with that. There you go. So you're, you're with me this week then. Yeah, I don't like Green Bay either. So I guess I'll go with you this week. But next week, I nah, I, I got I, I definitely have to go with the Bills or the Chiefs. Whoever wins that game has got to be my team for the Super Bowl. All four teams are great this year. Yeah, it's a good year. Just suck that whoever wins this year is going to have a big asterisk by their name, you know. Yep. <laughs> so. Well, listen, I, I positive think, asterisk. Uh, Johanna just uh, she she tuned out. Like I think she turned the podcast off. She was listening, and now she's. <laughs> Just, just kidding. Um, so yeah, anyhow, Dale, um, why don't we, typically it's, it's a standard procedure here to, to give our special guest a good three to four minutes uh, to introduce yourself and tell us about uh, all things Dale Denham. How you got started in the industry is always a really cool, uh, interesting question or to answer and um, you know, basically what you've been doing or what you've been up to. So uh, I have been in the industry since the early 90s. Uh, kind of one of my, maybe my third or fourth, you know, job when you're first getting out of college, working through things and worked for a company called Impact down in Florida, selling catalogs, very much like an ASI on the catalog side, and then launched an online business for them, um, selling web, creating and selling websites and uh, things like ESP, although we called it something else. And then I left that company in late 99 and joined ASI in 2000, spent 10 years with ASI, uh, running all their technology, uh, as well as serving on the executive team there. Left the industry because everybody has to do that at least once. Came back within a year, joined Geiger as CIO. And now I'm the senior vice president and CIO of Geiger. I'm responsible for all our technology. And again, on the executive team, I run our e-commerce businesses. And uh, I spent five years on the PPAI board and really enjoyed that. Was chair in 2018, I think. Um, much easier year to be chair than the year that Ira had this year, this past year. That would have been tough to go through all the things we went through as an industry. Um, but I think the board did a really nice job making good decisions and leading through that. And uh, so that's, you know, real quickly without boring people, that's who I am. I'm, I am known for all the tech stuff that I do, but I stress on the business side. For me, it's all about business. I use technology to achieve a business need. So I can get geeky with the, the rest of the geeks, but I'm really, I prefer to play on the business side, but I leverage the technology so that we're all more efficient. Very good. Well, here on the Industry Insider podcast, we prefer the nerdy news, not the, not the, not the geek stuff. Well, You're out. I, I, I don't know if I, you'd call me a nerd. I'm more of a geek, but I'll go nerdy news with you today. Fair enough. <laughs> well, listen, I, uh, there's, it, tech is such an interesting topic, uh, you know, especially this year. And I think you're the perfect guest to have on to discuss those things. And, you know, look, it's very timely right now. Of course, we've got, uh, you know, the Expo Directs You that just happened last week. I'd love to get your take on that and sort of the platform and, uh, you know, what troubles you would have seen going into that and, uh, and, and your, your response on how they responded to the issues. Um, and we want to talk about some some Megerber SNS activewear news. We want to talk about uh, you know uh, your online 18 that's actually getting ready to be released tomorrow, I believe. 
Right. Uh, so we'll get into that and we'll talk, you know, sort of how that develops and just any other tech talk that, uh, you know, any nuggets you can share with us layman. Great. Well, let's start with the expo then if you want. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So what was your, what was your take on, on expo and the, the level of tech and what, uh, what issues you would have foreseen and, and how you feel they responded? So I'm glad I'm not on the board because, uh, you know, I can, I, I spoke freely as a board member, but when you speak as a board member, people refer that as to that's what the association is saying. Um, and again, I'm going to put this in the business terms. I think PPAI did a phenomenal job and the product um, overall met the need. It kept us together as an industry. It accomplished where people could go create connections, even though they weren't as good as they were in person. So I think if I look at the event overall, I think it was very successful. I think if you look at the technology, there were definitely a lot of things that could have been um, handled a little bit differently. My own session, I had to spend 15 minutes telling dad jokes to get people occupied until the technology was working. Um, the first day was very bad and scared a lot of people like, oh my gosh, did we just waste a whole uh, bunch of planning for this that's not gonna work. But look, technology does that, it doesn't always work. And I, while I would say that should have been able to be foreseen, um, people can second guess it all the time. They came back, they made it right. The rest of the week went pretty smooth. And I'd say it's very difficult to do a trade show online. It's just not really what was intended. Are there things that the technology should have been better and done different? Absolutely, absolutely no question. Should they have planned for it? Absolutely, but for all I know, six months ago, it was garbage and they made it great by then. So um, I, I would give it a, a B plus in terms of the overall technology, given those type of things. Um, but I think from the business perspective, it's a, it was about as good as you could accomplish online. Yeah, I think managing expectations of folks would have been the hardest job that PPA could have had because I think they, they knew and understood that exactly what you said, there's zero chance of duplicating or replacing an in-person trade show. And uh, I think they did a fairly good job at trying to manage those expectations, especially if you were tuned in at all because they were very uh, upfront and honest about you know what to expect and uh, so for that, I would definitely give them kudos. Um, it's, yeah, speaking about the event, um, when I would go into uh, the video calls, because I was trying to take advantage of the, the video call feature to, to make it a little more face-to-face, -face, um, I was surprised because I, I, was, I was asking questions uh, to the, the suppliers I was meeting with. I was like, hey, how many, you've been meeting with a lot of people face-to-face? -face? And uh, a lot of them shared with me the, the data they had on their end. Um, and I won't go the specifics but a lot of it was like yeah we've had thousand plus scans you know 800 plus you know requests for information and this is my 23rd video call you know it, it seemed like the ratio of, of video was super low and i and i asked that uh with, with multiple suppliers um one of them i was their 14th call the other one i was their 28th um i was like man people were missing the boat like that's that, you know you can connect via email on the same way you interacted with them there. Why not, why not connect on that face-to-face -face platform? So I, I don't know if there's anything you can do about that other than people just need to get comfortable with that, you know, that setting in order to make it more real. I do think that um, comfort has a lot to do with it, but I will say that the, the technology again kind of made the chat the default go-to. And I think that could have been reversed and there would have been yeah. more. It still wouldn't have been 500. Um, but there could have been more. Meg, you look like you were going to say something. 
Yeah, we actually turned our video features off just because the first day everything was lagging so badly. Mm. We just kept it off just because we didn't want it to affect um, all the chats because there was like anywhere from 11 to 28 people in there at all times. And we wanted to be able to just at least have a conversation with them, which was really tough sometimes. But by day two, I'm telling you, I, day one, I, I gave up at 1.30. I just it was very frustrating trying to like keep up with my work and, and everything was lagging. But then um, that promo kitchen event was just so much fun. That that platform was fun. The whole networking experience about that that was a lot of fun. Um, but the rest of the show, I thought was just, it worked, went off really well. But yeah, the video I, we did turn off. I think they proved that there is a way and a, a value to having an online show. It wasn't perfectly executed, but I, it does show that you can do some things. Just the idea of getting everybody together willing to talk at the same time is really what they did. And that's what the expo really is every year. It's getting everybody together and making business happen. Yeah. And I think that's what people miss the most. Um, I know our company, my company, SNS, we're putting together this huge virtual event in February. And I think seeing what had happened um, kind of did, it did scare us a little bit, but it also gave us something to like, okay, well, we know this could happen now. Someone else got to handle across that bridge ahead of time. So we get to fix those problems ahead of time. And we're working with a with a, a specific company and they are really, really good. Like really good. We pre-recorded some panels and I mean, they were like lighting, there's a noise, like three more millimeters to the right. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be really good. We're excited about it. So hey, after, okay. I was just going to say, I want to comment on what Steven had said earlier. And then I want to ask a, a follow-up question to Dale. Um, so first of all, I think that with the, the counters and the clicks and all that good stuff, I know one of the things that TPAI put in there was like this leaderboard, like the top 15 people or something with points and i know like the first day you went in there like literally there's people just signing on and there's people that already have like 200,000 points and they're like how in the hell do people have 200,000 points already and it's, you know you were getting points for just clicking on stuff mm -hmm. i think people just wanted to maybe see their name on the leaderboard uh because mm -hmm. i don't think there's any way you could possibly go through all that information and download stuff or actually intake what you're meant to be intaking uh, and, and gather that many points before the show even opens. Um, so I think that it's it's a really interesting feature to have in there, but I think it may have been misused in that sense. Um, and then the question I have for Dale, uh, as a tech guy for us laymen, would you gander or take a guess at what the issues were the first day and then how they how they fixed it and how they wouldn't have anticipated that issue? Is that even well, that's, a, that's a dangerous thing to do, but I'll, I'll go with what is the, the likely most obvious, and I'm sure I'll get a call from um, the executives at Sage and PPA saying you're an idiot, um, but I get that call anyhow. So, you know, the, the likelihood, it, it does seem like there was um, either not enough processing power and they had to spin up more servers or some sort of configuration issue that um, didn't take advantage of the processing power because essentially you can't fix a problem that big that fast unless it's throwing more power at it. And I gotta think they were prepared with the power. So probably some configuration issue that was done, but didn't get implemented fully the right way on, um, you know, or an index is missing. God only knows, there's so many things wrong that can go wrong with tech. I mean, whenever I think my issues are when we have problems, it always turns out to be something else, so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they got, it, they got it solved relatively quickly. So that's why I think yeah. that, you know, it could have but just been, you know, not having enough servers or processing power, as you would call it. I'm a layman, so I have no idea what any of that means, but I would, I, I think it's I kind of have an idea. So, uh, you know, I, I would just think that, you know, 
having pre-reg numbers, they would have maybe been prepared for that. But um, I guess you never know. And I think they did a really good job at responding and fixing the issue. So, Agreed. yeah. Steven, did you have a question or was that? Uh, you don't know. <laughs> you know, what might have been the problem is maybe John Norris wrote a bot to visit everybody and he was the one with the leaderboard at 200,000 when he logged on and that was throwing everything off. He had, he like programmed some some hashtag clout in there somewhere, like all throughout the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was going to say. It oh. was more of a, of, of a fun idea. But um, as I'm scrolling, you know, because I know one of the issues I said is like, how do you find new new people without just clicking on everybody? Uh, hot, hot tip for any new supplier out there. Put your name and image as just a big question mark. And, you know, because like, honestly, if I would have saw one that was just like a black screen with a question mark and it says like mystery supplier, I would click it. I'd be like, who is this mystery supplier? And you'd, a virus. <laughs> but you'd stand out from like the, you know, the 500 that are in there. Yeah. Um, people are going to have to get really creative with that, that thumbnail, um, because that thumbnail is all I could see as a, as a distributor looking through 500 people. So uh, entice us. I mean, I think that would be my suggestion for the next one for, for any new suppliers. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, I mean, I haven't been, uh, I haven't held back any of my comments. You know, that's, that's why we sort of decided to hold off from the show because there's so little, you've actually you have no power as the, as the supplier at all, but you're, you're fronting the bill and that's, it's 100% on the distributor to click that thumbnail. And that's all you get. That's your, that's the only thing that you've got is that thumbnail for somebody to click on. And just like going through a trade show floor, if they see, you know, uh, a commodity or something like that, they're going to be like, ah, I don't need to talk to another hat guy or I don't need to talk to this or that, but, you know, but the difference about, you know, virtual and actually being on the trade show floor is that on the trade show floor, if somebody's walking by, I can actually pull them into the booth, you know, if right. I'm creative enough, you know, or if I have, uh, you know, that, that ability. So, you know, you get a little bit more of that. And I understand, you know, there's no way for PPI to really uh, approach that problem, but Again, I mean, that's that's why, you know, it, it didn't sell uh, as many booths as you would as an in-person show because there's people that have to weigh those options. Um, all right. Well, I think we've talked enough about Expo and I don't want this to go too, too long. So why don't we talk about Meg Erber's news real quick? Meg Erber, why don't you tell us about SNS Acura being bought uh, bought up? Well, isn't yeah. it Jeff, Jeff news? Like what happened to the beard? Is that? Yeah, I mean, I feel not? like it's like the beardless podcast today, which is great. I mean... <laughs> That's not my beard changes like the weather. <laughs> so, Meg, sorry. No, it's okay. So we were um, apparently I, I hate that word acquired. It's so, it's so scary. Like I don't we received a large word. investment. Yeah, we did. We received a yeah. large investment. Business as usual, you know. Um, I think this investment company has expressed that they really want to take a back seat. We are a well-oiled machine with a sales force to be reckoned with. I mean, we really are. We have a great team like SNS is just like I, I mean I'm putting myself up here on pedestal but we're kind of <laughs> you know what I mean so no I think that they really want to take a back seat and just let us soar which is really amazing um I think at first it was like we were like what like it was a little scary I know I was talking to some coworkers and we were a little upset but not I guess for the reasons you would really think it's it's because at SNS we have such an amazing family culture and the culture is just like Oh, like you don't want to lose that, you know? And I think that was what we were a little bit worried about, but we all slept on it. And, and then after sleeping on it, you think, well, Jeff and Paul, the two owners of SNS, like how much, how little slept sleep that they've probably received in the last nine months. I mean, they kept everybody on board. 
we acquired a company in Canada that was basically just sitting dead in the water, not being able to do anything um, through COVID, kept that all on board. We expanded up there. Um, and then <clears throat> I'm sure it came out. Of, I mean, I don't, I'm just saying this. I don't know. This is, but I'm sure they had put a lot of their own personal financial um, into the PPE and all the inventory we had to bring in. So I'm sure it was a very hard year for them trying to take care of all of us and making sure that we were all taken care of in whatever way we needed. And they are good people. So they always think about us. So I feel like this is going to be in the best interest of the company. And I don't know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So the financial group is called CD&R. And I saw that the, uh, the guy that's going to be sitting as the president on, on the board is the uh, a former president of PepsiCo. Yeah. Which- yeah. Yeah. I like that. So you know, win-win. You know, I'm a Coke guy. <laughs> I've, I've heard of them. I've heard of PepsiCo. You've heard of Pepsi? Wow. No way. No way. All right, fair enough. Well, I wanted you to be able to share your news, Meg. Well, thank you, Jack. It's interesting, and uh, you know, we'll see we'll see how that works out. And I think that uh, you know, potentially with this guy being from PepsiCo, it might have some really good connections. It could be you know really beneficial for for uh, a supplier in our industry. So, okay. all right. Why don't we uh, why don't we talk a little bit of uh, online eighteen, uh, Dale? For those that don't know what online eighteen is, because I'll be honest with you, I had no clue until Meg mentioned it a couple months ago. Uh, what is the online eighteen, and how do you go about um, you know, deciding who those eighteen prestigious folks? How, how did it start? Wait, too, I'm curious wait. about that. That's, yeah, for, let's start when it started. Like, how, like how did it start? It started about six years ago when um, I would say there was a lot of noise about, you know, this person or that person on social. And there was just a lot of people doing a really horrible job. I mean, you know, they just set up pages and it would just be selling all the time. And then, you know, they were all excited. Yeah, so many people, right? And you got, you know, it's probably like your first podcast probably was not as good as it is today. Um, the, The reality is people were just pushing out junk. And so I was like, Oh, as an industry, we can do better. And so I, I followed a lot of people, and in particular on Twitter, this industry still seems to shun Twitter and hate Twitter. And I tried to bring in people from all, really at that time, really Facebook and Twitter and say, here's people doing it right. And here's how you should be doing it. And I set them up as an example. And that's what the original purpose was. I honestly didn't know if I was going to do it one year or two years or three years. And sometimes I still think, do I need to keep doing it? Um, but it has become something that's a little bit fun for people. We're having a little bit of fun with it. So I'll keep doing it as long as people are slightly interested in it. Um, believe it or not, it does take a lot of work to put it together. Um, and you take a little bit of flack when you don't have somebody where they want to be or they're not on the list at all. And, you know, so you make a few friends and you make a new en- a few enemies too. So there was one year that I, I wasn't on it. And I don't know if John Norris was, or maybe, I don't know if either of us were, or maybe he was low, or I forget what it was, but for a year, him and I made a pact that we're like, we're going to get on that list next year. We, <laughs> we bullied Dale for an entire year. We'd be like, look at this, hashtag clout. Look at this, <laughs> hashtag clout. Oh, there you go. Dale. So if you're looking at getting on the online 18, all you got to do is harass Dale Denham and you'll get on. And the then list. he put me on the next year and I felt <laughs> like crap. Like I was like, I didn't even deserve this. <laughs> but I think, I think I put you on at number. 18 or something Um, but the truth is and I actually reference it in the list tomorrow I had more people Meg mention you and comment on your post about you being on online 18 than any of the other influencers so you clearly had a lot of paid all those people maybe (laughs) she did you know maybe she had a bot written but 
you have a lot of people who like you online for some reason or another. So that's that's kind of the hard part that I've had to evolve um, over the, the past few years, really recognizing that my opinion, even though I always got other opinions, has to be more of a 50-50 instead of originally it was more 80-20. And so this past year um, and the year before, but this year I did a little bit differently. I took everybody from last year's list and I said, give me three people and three companies that you find really influential um, in the industry. And based on how many times a name was mentioned, they were further up the list or further down the list. And there were a couple of people that I took a little editorial that I was like, that's kind of an interesting person. We'll throw them in here. Um, so I would say now it's kind of a, it's still my list, but it's each year the people who were on it the year before are helping me design who and where. They don't get to see the final list till everybody else does, but their input has a huge impact on where people end up. I think it's awesome because Nick Latour last year, like I felt like I must've been living under a rock. I didn't even know him. And then like we became like instant friends and then we had him on the industry insider. That was a lot of fun. It was, so I, you also, it's a great like little networking tool. You're like, if you don't know them, then you're like, well, I want to know more about this person. Cause it really has helped a couple of people like that where people have gotten, I'll say a little bit uh, more attention and Nick would be one. I mean, Nick went all the way to number one last year. That's not happened in the five years. Um, but, you know, people look at this, they take a look, they follow some of these people and then they find out if they like them on their own. But like you said, Meg, you know, it does create kind of a little bond, like even with you and John, it's like, hey, I'm not on the list, we're on the list. Hey, we got to get higher. It's fun. And, and uh, hopefully people do find some new content and better ways to do things for their own business. Yeah, I think my angle for 2022 is going to be have a really good uh, TikTok following. Ooh, I think I should <laughs> so, do that too. My kids keep threatening me. <laughs> so you're, it's interesting because on my intro to the list, I point out that I am not on TikTok and refuse to get on TikTok because I've read so much about how you can't stop scrolling through TikTok. So ultimately, I'm probably missing some things here, but there there are some references to TikTok because some people are sharing them on Twitter and such. So I'm, I'm okay. able to consume them there. But boy, that, that social media scares me, not because it's owned by China and all that. That's another issue. Just by the fact that I'm told once you start, you can't stop. It is. It's definitely addicting because I was against it forever. I'm like, I don't make kids on it. The infinity like, scroll. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's hilarious. Like that one, like hilarious. So you're following <laughs> people and I'm like, what am I doing? Tony Lametti, we know, okay? We know. What did he say? <laughs> He's only here for Meg, of course. Uh, you know. um, so listen, this is a list that I will probably never see myself on. Uh, I don't really have a social presence. I take a back seat, actually. I, there's a lot of stuff that gets posted on my stuff, uh, but it's always somebody else posting it. Uh, you know, the only stuff that I post is this podcast and pictures of my kids. Because <laughs> yep. I, I really, I think social is a great like time capsule that hopefully my kids will be able to go back to one day when they're older and uh, and be able to have that stuff. I think it's one of the really cool things about the internet is you can create content like this and video and, you know, kids or grandkids or great grandkids down the road, like they can look back and see who those people were a little bit. So that's, that's how I use social. You're very smart, Jeff. I will tell you that um, this past year for all sorts of different reasons between politics, misinformation, and just really having to, to spend that much more time dealing with business issues, my use of social really got much smaller and more focused on my close family and friends and things like that. So I've been a little bit off this year. And I think that's where most people probably need to be. We're actually fortunate in this industry that we are friends with our industry colleagues, but it some of my friends are like, wow, you have so many 
friends, how do you keep up with all that? I'm like, it is difficult. You know, there is something nice about just posting pictures of your kids and the occasional podcast. So nothing is wrong with that. I actually think it's a very good strategy and probably keeps you sane or at least as sane as you are. Yeah. You know what, Dale, I meant to, I meant to save this picture, find this picture and post it as my background. I completely forgot until you said something, but I don't know, many years ago, we were doing um, Legislative Education Action Day. And we- <laughs> I love that picture. That's, that's me taking a selfie with you because Meg and I were in the van and the entire trip, she's just on her phone. Nothing. I'm like, I'm hanging out with Meg Erber while she hangs out with her phone or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was probably like answering emails. I don't know, or on Facebook. But he made fun of me. Was this before you made the uh, the online eighteen or after? This was before it was even a couple of years. You were, you were trying to prove a point, weren't you? I just, <laughs> I'm going to show Sudden this. Guy. I'm, I'm yeah. on social twenty four. She, she basically was trying to prove a point. She turned her back to me like, "I don't need you. <laughs> you can't read my." <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Oh man, I think it's a really cool list. Uh, I did actually go through the last couple of years to see who was on it, and uh, I think you've got a really great group of people on there for sure. Um, and uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to the release. You said it's tomorrow, I believe, around two o'clock is when it's supposed to drop, right? Yep, it'll be uh, initially dropped on PPAI, and then I think Promo Corner is also going to run with it, and uh, Fun. We'll see how it goes from there. Fun. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And then um, any, you guys have any other questions about uh, the online 18? Nope. No? Just excited to see it. Excited to have, just go out. It's always like, like oh, I can't wait to see who's on the list this year. Because you like you know these people for the most part. Most of them are your friends. And you just like, I don't know. I usually try to do it before the expo so we can all deal with it. And this year, I decided for a couple of reasons to wait till after. But now tomorrow's top news is going to be SNS, not the online 18. So... <laughs> All right, I got enough emails to handle all that for the rest of the day. <laughs> we'll get it out of the way. We'll get it I out. do. I do have a question for you, Dale, uh, and we'll we'll sort of uh, shift things a little bit. Um, from from a since you're a tech guy and and you're the promo standards guy, like what what would you say for a, a company that's not very uh, tech forward or tech savvy if they wanted to start sort of taking steps towards promo standards? What what would you consider a couple things being uh, for for a company like that? So I think the answer is different for a distributor than is a supplier. So I'm going to start with the distributor. Pretty much if you're not a tech savvy distributor, um, you don't have an IT person on your team that, that leads things, then you probably just need to work with a service provider like an ASI, a common SKU, a Sage, and just let them handle the integrations. That's the value there. There's not a lot of value for you spending extra time and effort as a small company without IT leadership because it is a technical issue. It requires understanding of programming, of data, um, for suppliers, it's a little bit different. There are still service providers, uh, um, Distributor Central is one I forgot to mention as well, that um, can take your data and do things with it. But as a supplier, you kind of have to have your data organized in a certain way for promo standards. And the beauty of it is instead of you getting bothered by 30 distributors or 300 distributors saying, send it to me this way, we're really just saying, this is the way to send it to everybody. And so as a supplier, even if you don't have a technology leader, you're gonna to need to partner with whoever runs your ERP system. Don't, don't try to find somebody necessarily in the industry, let them work with the standards that are out there because they will understand it and where they don't, the membership of promo standards, can, they can get on a Slack channel and they can say, hey, I have a question about this and it's community supported. So suppliers and, and really distributors too, whoever's managing your ERP systems and your inventory and all of that uh, from a technical perspective, that's who you should be talking to about promo standards. 
they may need to talk to somebody. That's where they join promo standards. They get on the Slack channel and they get support from the community of other people that are working with promo standards. So it's a, it's a kind of a short answer, but that's the nuts and bolts of the, the real answer. Sure. So when does promo standards become the service provider? Because I think that's the major issue because there are so many different choices out there to go with for a, a provider. Uh, and, and it can be relatively expensive and very taxing on a company as well, uh, as far as like making those changes. Um, I, I think from my perspective, I think it's, it's a matter of just really uniforming it and making it simple and as inexpensive as possible for both suppliers and distributors. Is that something so that promo standards has talked about? No, Promo Standards intentionally wants to be a standard setting organization only. We um, heavily believe that the third parties in the industries are what we can help enable besides the individuals. So Sage and ASI are very dominant in our industries in terms of uh, their leadership positions. Uh, Common SKU is coming out strong and there's Facilis, there's Distributed Central, Essent. Uh, there's a lot of really good other third parties that don't have the same name recognition because they don't have those big product databases. We're making it a little more possible for other people to create things. But look, even Sage and ASI, they spend a lot of money getting that data. And even if it's standardized, they're doing things above and beyond that. So no, I don't see promo standards. In fact, the board is committed to not becoming, you never say never, but to not becoming a service provider. We want to enable um, Common SKU, Distributor Central, Essent, all of these companies to do things to help the average distributor and supplier do more. I think if you look at like an Essent who makes software for the ERP for the industry, they will build promo standards compliance systems for you. Um, ExtendTech is a NetSuite provider that knows how, that has built their systems in NetSuite to be promo standards compliant. It's expensive to run an ERP. It's yeah. never gonna be cheap. And so the reality is we're gonna make a journey and over the next five to 10 years, it's gonna change our industry dramatically. It's already made a lot of benefits, but as new standards come out, they have to be adopted in ERP systems and that's where the change comes. But no promo standards will not be a service provider. Fair enough. <laughs> Meg, Steven, do you guys have any questions, promo standards or any other tech stuff that you'd like to ask the guru? I feel like we would be here for another 45 minutes because I feel like there's just so much and I'm like, I want more, I want more, but I really feel like we should do some dad jokes to end this podcast today. <laughs> I thought we agreed not to do that at the start. And, of the and, and like you, I like to put people on the spot. Why don't so. we just have Dale uh, <laughs> rattle off a couple of them since he's got the whole uh, whole calendar or, or desk thing there that he was talking about. We've, I we've don't got have it on my desk. So I'll have to go <laughs> only my good pocket. Now, come on. Uh, my, my, I'll give you two of my favorites right now. Um, and I grew up uh, with puns. So my whole family is tortured with puns all the time. But, um, you know, so when you, when you go to Hawaii, I want to make sure that you realize you cannot like do, they, they, it's against their rules. It's against their laws uh, in Hawaii to do loud laughter in public places. You were not allowed to do like big, loud belly laughs. You probably didn't know that. Really? Yeah. They only allow a, a low haw. <laughs> I was gonna say Danielle Lum. Where are you? All right. And this ties into the online 18 and we'll leave it. I'll leave it on this one because based on your reactions to that one, you know, they only get worse from here. No, it um, was it was good. I just couldn't believe I fell for it. <laughs> How much does a hipster weigh? How much? An Instagram. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, oh, I I go downhill from there. <laughs> Fair enough. 
All right. Well, guys, I know we ran a bit long today. I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, tuning in and, and sticking in with us. Uh, it, but it was a great, great conversation. And like Meg said, we could go another 45 minutes easily and continue to talk tech. But uh, listen, I, I do got to tell you a little bit about Tervis, you know. Uh, they've been around since 1946 and they started with their classic line. They've got some sleek styles that make for the perfect or make perfect for the active and uh, on the go lifestyle. Uh, they've got the original double wall insulated drinkware and it keeps your cold drinks cold and reduces that condensation. Backed by a made for life guarantee, Tervis is the original customizable double wall insulated drinkware that keeps hot drinks hot and cold drinks cold. They're available in several sizes, including a 16 ounce mug, 16 ounce or 24 ounce tumblers. They've also got a 24 ounce water bottle and now they've expanded to a 24, 30 or 40 ounce wide mouth bottle. Made from Triton plastic, made in America, lifetime warranty, dishwasher safe, microwave safe, and BPA free. I would highly encourage you guys to go check them out at servicepromos.com. You will not be sorry that you did. Dale, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Really appreciate it. Had a, a great conversation with you, and I, I appreciate it. And I, I wish you the best of luck this week, but not the following. All right, thanks. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, Dale. Right. I appreciate it. Yep. Yep. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.